0: Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? We thank you for this day. We thank you that it is Easter Sunday and we can celebrate your um, sacrifice on the cross for us and your resurrection on this day, dear Lord. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds again, God, that we can receive your message and focus on your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Welcome to Memorial United Methodist my name is Joe Kate I'm the minister here we're so grateful that you're here with us today if you came from near if you came from far if your family if your friends if you're a visitor we hope you feel welcome uh, we have snacks over here we have restrooms over here we have a check-in station if you uh, want your child to go to Sunday school uh, make sure that you ask anybody around here and we can help you to get where you need to go. We like to frame our announcements and our five practices that we try to live out as best as we possibly can. Uh, The first one is radical hospitality. We try as I mentioned with those three things to offer a warm and welcoming environment but we also try to offer people the opportunity to participate in the prayer life of our church. If you would like to share a prayer concern uh, with our Tuesday prayer group that gathers every Tuesday morning at 930 you can raise your hand and an usher will bring you a note card and a pencil and um, we will pray for uh, not only your concern uh, but for the community for our church for all sorts of things uh, on Tuesday morning so I encourage you to participate if you'd like to uh, we believe in passionate worship it's a big day today We've had a lot of big days lately and if you've been traveling if you've gone uh, other directions on Sunday mornings or Thursday nights um, I encourage you to look on our website I want to say thank you to our team that puts nearly everything we do uh, online you can go to our website and um, pull up uh, worship and if you click on the 9 o'clock service you'll see 9 o'clock videos if you click on the 11 o'clock service you'll see 11 o'clock videos um, and I encourage you to do so um, we believe in intentional faith development, Uh, but we're going to take a break from that tonight. Normally we uh, love it, and we gather on Sunday night with children, with youth, with adults. Um, Because it's Easter Sunday, um, we're going to let y'all go um, spend time with your families, have great dinners, and we will hire everything back up uh, next week at um, 5 o'clock. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. You're going to hear, as part of, uh, just prior to our offering, um, a message from Reese Hannon. He's one of our um, uh, grown-up peers his entire life. He's on our mission and service team, and he's gonna share our minutes for mission uh, that we're gonna have on the third Sunday of every month. Uh, We believe in extravagant generosity as best as we possibly can, giving uh, in every way possible, and you're gonna hear about that from Reese as well. You're also gonna hear crying babies today. (laughs) But guess what? We want them here. We want all, uh, all young families here. We want children here. We have an exciting announcement that's outside of our um, typical practices, and I'm going to call up Kenna Owens, who is our um, chair of Staff Parish Relations. Y'all have any idea what that means? It's the HR of any United Methodist Church. This group... Um, Uh, supports our staff, evaluates our staff, and also when we have an opening, hires new staff. And Kenna has a very exciting announcement today. Um, We figured today would be the best um, because we want the most faces to see.
2: Good morning. I'd like to ask Leslie Pace and her family to join me up here, please. I'm pleased to announce that we have hired a new office manager for our church, and I would like to introduce her and her family to you now. This is Leslie Pace and her family. Now, they've been regularly attending our church for almost a year now, so you probably have seen them. Uh, Leslie is from Greenville. She graduated from USC Upstate. She has a bachelor's degree in business with an emphasis in marketing. Now, her career background includes advertising, marketing, and most recently, dental office management and patient care. Leslie and her husband, Brian, currently live in Lyman with their two boys, Colin, who is seven, and Charlie, who is three. Colin is a student at Lyman Elementary School, and Charlie attends our own CEP program. Leslie and Brian have been married for 12 years and they enjoy spending time with family and friends. We are very excited to have Leslie and we can't wait for her to start. Her first day on the job is going to be May the 1st. So we asked once again that you be patient with us as we work through the transition until she gets here. Please join me in welcoming Leslie as our new office manager.
1: And her crowd, Kenna and her crowd with the staff here have had a um, maybe the most insane 12 months uh, we've had in a long time here. But each time we had a transition, uh, someone special walked through the door and wanted this job, whatever job that may be, and I'm just overjoyed uh, with it. I'll, uh, uh, what's the word, reemphasize? what she said about patients. Erin, our um, Children and Family Minister's director, is recovering nicely from surgery. She's probably out one more week. She's also my right arm in everything that I do here. So um, I have a left arm. Uh, for the next two weeks but then after that I'm going to have both arms and Leslie Uh, so uh, if y'all just be patient with us and uh, actually the office is closed this week um, uh, uh, for the entire week if you have anything I want you to look at your bulletin see in your bulletin the um, number that says pastoral care I want you to use that number for everything for the next two weeks, you'll immediately get a voicemail, and it'll be about pastoral care. Don't worry about that. Just leave a message, and um, I'll get an email about it and get, get back to you as quickly as is um, possible. Uh, so thank you. Thank you, uh, Kenna. Thank you, uh, Leslie and Brian. We're grateful to have you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this space in which we can gather. We thank you for everyone dedicated to making sure we have two services today. We thank you for safe travel, for loved ones who have come to see us. We thank you for safe travel of those of ours who have gone to see their loved ones. Be present with us this morning, Lord, as we read a story that could be strange to us, that could be frightening to us, that could be exciting to us, that could be confusing to us. Unpack it for us, Lord, that we can understand what it meant for those people that day and what it means for us today. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So before we look at our scripture, I want to give you an image uh, to consider. The cemetery. I walk through a cemetery every day, just about at least six days a week. Um, Because we live just right there on Arlington, and every time I walk, I walk through the um, cemetery just a couple blocks away. I look at the names, and they're names that I hear all the time. Names that I hear in this church, names that I hear in the community, names that I hear of stories of people um, who have served this church and the community in years past. So I look at the names all the time. I look at the numbers all the time and do the math. I think about what was going on at what age they were. I think about how, what year it was when uh, when they were 39, because I'm 39. What what they were going through. I think about um, the different things that they wanted to note about military service or about their relationship to another person, all the time. But I also see people. It's it's pretty rare because I go so early. I see people standing there remembering their loved ones going out to visit, taking children out to visit, taking loved ones out to visit. And um, I'm always seeing when there's a new person there because of the tent and then for a little while I'll see family going out to see them. And there's something about that. The sense of walking through there every single day affirms the significance of the time that I have the amount of time that I have on this earth to do what I've been called to do. There's also a sense of permanence, I'm guessing, for people who are there, for a loved one who's just been placed there, for people who come 15 years later, the permanence of what has happened. And there might have been opportunities before where you could have said something, could have done something, and you figure, this is the last opportunity I'll ever have. Figure that's what people were thinking. For this text. You ever fail a, uh, a midterm exam? You ever strike out looking in baseball on the last out? You ever have a presentation in an important meeting and the projector doesn't come on? You ever tried to put a meal together and uh, the oven didn't work like you thought it would? Whatever it may be, It was a really, really big thing. And it did not work out. And in some cases, it didn't work out because you did not have the dedication. You didn't put the time in. Those people, before this scripture reading, were thinking, I could have listened more. I could have done more. I could have said more. Or done and said less than I did before. Permanent is what they're thinking. And I've got an opportunity now just to go visit and pay my respects. Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it your first word first phrase the Sabbath it's interesting too we're going to do this in youth group today in Sunday school with the youth in Sunday school look at the four Gospels and look how different their depictions are and what they emphasized we're going to focus on Matthew today but I encourage you to look Matthew starts with the Sabbath Sabbath's not new to these people Sabbath, the Sabbath has been around since creation and taking a day For reflection, for peace, for silence, for understanding. How do you think humans do with the Sabbath? Mm. We struggle, don't we? How do you think ministers do with the Sabbath? Mm. Mm -mm. They don't do a good job. I, for one, figure if I settle one more thing, then I'll be okay. You know what's interesting is if you settle one more thing, there's another thing. Right? And if I settle one more thing and one more thing and one more thing and one more thing I'm settling them at about 67% of what I'm truly capable of because I haven't stopped and listened and prayed and rested. So I just keep grinding it out with mistakes that I'll then have to do what? Go back and fix? Because I haven't taken a Sabbath. These people get it. They may not do it. Just like us, they may struggle. But they get what the Sabbath is. And the reason everything was so rushed with Jesus and the crucifixion was because they wanted it before the Sabbath because the Sabbath is for rest. So what do you think it was like for these people, the followers, who witnessed what they witnessed, who have the regret that they have in their hearts and their minds, To have space and time to consider every mistake. What do you think it was like to be around the religious leadership? Their fear, their anger, their urgency to convict your leader. And now they're saying, of course we're going to worship God on the Sabbath now. must have figured that was hypocritical. To have done something so violent and then to have said, and now we're going to follow God on the Sabbath. Now you have to give credit to religious leadership that they thought that they were doing the right thing in the name of God. But if you're talking about the followers of Jesus and they're trying to figure out what on earth just happened in these last two days, it'd be a struggle. Imagine going there to see... Mary Magdalene, and it's kind of rude to say the other Mary. Sarah was gone, you know, Sarah White, and the uh, you know the other Sarah. But that's sort of what he does. They go, and there's an earthquake. Y'all remember natural disasters that have happened in your life, that have impacted you, with perfect detail, right? I remember exactly when Hurricane Hugo rolled through Rock Hill we were being woken up at 2 in the morning and hearing that wind whip around. I remember hearing the tree hit the house. I remember hearing the tree uh, go in the backyard, trees everywhere because we had pine trees. I remember even when there wasn't a natural disaster, just a threat of one, that time coming out of Charleston when it wasn't released until the very last second and we all took five or six hours to get home. There was an earthquake at the crucifixion there's an earthquake now as they go to the tomb what must they be thinking what must they be thinking with the stone rolled away I didn't understand the technology until I went there and saw it of a a track you know that's this wide and a wheel that rolls only in that track for years especially as a kid I thought about like a big triangle shaped rock and I was thinking like how did they move that thing How'd they get it into position? That's just a simple piece of technology of rolling a wheel through the track and over the hole. What must they have been thinking with it rolled out? What would you think if you walked out of the parking lot and your door was open? What would you think if you walked into your home and the front door was wide open with the lights on? Which wouldn't be comforting. It wouldn't be exciting. It'd be among the most frightening things you could experience. You ever get that um, chill that shoots up your spine and out through your fingers and sparkles in your head? I had it two days ago. Walking in, um, Yeah, I'm pretty big. I'm not scared of dogs anymore. I used to be real scared of dogs. Um, I, had a, I had an event. Uh, you know, you remember the bikes with the little seat on the back of them? I'm talking about a long time ago. The event. I used to sit back there and a dog chased my mother on that bike with me on that seat. I don't know how she got away from it, but in a very frightening way. took me until I was as tall as I am to get over it. But I was walking and you see a dog, a pretty big one, that doesn't have a leash. And it's coming like, it probably just wants to hang out like every dog ever. But it's coming on a level that I think, this can't be good. Pick up my dog. All right. And I'm holding it and it shoots up through my spine and through my head and out through my fingers. Your body is giving you,
3: uh,
1: is, is numbing you and giving you adrenaline to run from the thing that you are experiencing right now. What do you want to figure they had that? And there's an angel sitting on the top of a rock. What do you figure shepherds, who are not probably scared easily, they protect sheep all the time, what do you figure they thought in the middle of the night at the very beginning of this story as an angel came and said, Hey, don't be scared? <laughs> Same thing. My word. What is this? Verse 3. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of Him, they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here, because He's been raised from the dead, just as He said. Come, see the place where they've laid Him. Now hurry, go and tell His disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see Him there. I've given the message to you. So, your next phrase is the fear. I've had a lot of storms lately. Have y'all seen lightning very close? Yeah. And then that pop. You're talking about an individual, a being in front of you that's as white as lightning. I don't think that would be comforting either, it would be shocking. To see this person and to have this person say, the one you came to see is no longer here. He's been raised. You ever, you ever say to your loved one, to your coworker, to your child, you know, like I told you, like when they say, Where's the milk? It's on this second shelf. I don't see it. You go over to the refrigerator, you open the door, and you say, you know, it's right here on the second shelf, like I told you. Where are my keys? They're in, in the bedroom. And the male somehow just goes to one spot in the bedroom and gets fixated. It's not there. It's not in the bedroom. Walk out. And you think, well, I don't know, maybe she's right. go back to the exact same spot. Look. It's not there. Walk out. You say, my keys aren't there. She comes in, she goes, they're in the bedroom. Like I told you. Right? You ever text and say, what was it I was supposed to get? Whatever it is, our attention span, we struggle. A teacher could say, yeah, it was on the test, just like I told you. It's significant there that the angel says, like you were told. How many times do you figure? Well, y'all like biblical numbers, Right? The problem is, being told that was wrapped in the fact that they were leaving Galilee and they were going to Jerusalem. And He was going to be tried and He was going to be crucified. When they heard that, they were done. That's too, that's too much. You to say to someone, mm, I, No, not, not right now. Don't tell me right now. I say that many times, unfortunately. They can't handle it. And so they don't get it, and so they can't grasp it. He says he's going back to Galilee. What's significant about Galilee, it's where it all started. It's where they were called. It's where they were fed so many people. It's where they healed so many people. It's where what was happening was so special. He's gone to Galilee, the angel says. Two classic lines in this story. Don't be afraid. Just never once not been scary in the Bible when people heard that. And as you have been told, we struggle to listen, we struggle to retain, we struggle to live out because it's coming through a portal of our own interests. What we want to hear, what we want to do, what we want to say. Verse 8. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell the disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I'm going to Galilee. They will see me there. The excitement different version than the gospel of John where she goes and she sees an empty tomb she runs back and she tells them two men run out and the one that wrote the gospel said that he was the fastest one there funny sounds like my friends and I talking there's no Jesus intercepting anyone Jesus intercepts them in this version of the story and I like, um, I've like i never noticed this before, mostly because I use John so often. They grabbed His feet and they worshipped Him. You know what's significant about feet? When Jesus went to Bethany to visit Mary and Martha, Mary washed His feet and rubbed her hair on His feet in a, uh, and, and rubbed perfume there and it was... Um, extravagant. It was noting who He was. It was going far beyond what anyone would do. And it was something that truly captured His feelings because of her devotion to Him. And what do we read about on Thursday? They're locked in the doors. They're serving a meal to one another. And afterwards, Jesus washes His disciples' feet, even though they fight Him on it. To show them what true devotion is, to show them what true sacrifice is, what true leadership is of serving those that you've been called to lead. So this time they're at his feet. And it says they worshipped him. So here's your last phrase. The cycle of, Bib- of Bible stories. It starts with perceived permanence. The situation that I'm in is the situation that will ever be. And it could be good or it could be bad. We have control of Jerusalem. We've built the temple. We are running everything. This is all that it will ever be. We're in slavery in Egypt. We're being punished by a pharaoh. This is all it will ever be. The Babylonians have swept into our town, have conquered our town, have destroyed everything, and taken our best and brightest and left us all to die. This is all that will ever be. You ever get a sense of permanence? That you think, there's no way any of this can change. Whether it be individually, whether it be with your family, whether it be with your church, whether it be at your work. This is all it will ever be. That's where it starts. Permanence, and I should say perceived permanence, Sabbath. And what does it mean that I told you that ministers, probably more than anyone, struggle with Sabbath? And the way to get over perceived permanence is to take Sabbath. Are you willing to fight if you're tired? Are you willing to get better if you're tired? Are you willing to take any advice if you're tired? Are you willing to lead if you're tired? Well, um, not by choice. By duty. But Sabbath allows you to rest, allows you to hear, allows you to reflect. It's significant. So perceived permanence is followed by Sabbath and understanding. And are you listening now? Are you using your ears now? Fear. Because the thing that was said to you in Sabbath is beyond what you figured you could do. And all of a sudden, the situation that you didn't like sounds kind of cool. Because you're going to have to fight through something that you can't imagine fighting through as an individual or as a group or as a family. But then excitement. Excitement because through the will of God, through prayer to God, through the inspiration of God, through the calling of God, we are drawn together to change something that we perceived was permanent. You go throughout the entire Bible and you'll see this cycle play out. So ask yourself where you find yourself on that wheel right now. Do you figure a situation in your life is permanent and you don't like it? Do you figure a situation in your life is permanent and you don't even have to do anything? It's good. I don't have to do anything. Are you in a moment of Sabbath? Are you in a time of Sabbath of trying to understand, to figure out, to listen? Are you in a moment of fear? My goodness, I listened. How in the world did I get myself into this? What am I going to do? Are you in a moment of excitement? Thinking, I can't believe I've got this opportunity. Wherever you find yourself on that wheel, figure that is the human continuum. And wherever you find yourself on the wheel, I want you to think about the next part of it. What do I need to do in order to participate in this holy cycle? That is played out not only in the Bible, but in the lives of everyone since God has created human beings. So that I can understand resurrection. So that I can understand opportunity. So that I can understand hope. Something that goes far beyond anything I could ever perceive on my own. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you all to stand and join in the affirmation with me. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. I mentioned before as part of our um, third Sundays for Mission
4: and Service, you're going to hear from Reese Hannon about exciting news. Reese? Good morning. Happy Easter. Um, just like Joe said, my name is Reese Hannon. I'm here to represent the uh, risk-taking mission and service team. Uh, every third Sunday of the, of the month, we give a little update on our mission efforts as a church, and uh, we, we give you something to anticipate and, and get ready for. Uh, our two celebrating things, that we're, uh, our efforts that we're celebrating this month are, first of all, we've, uh, the student funds that we raised. Um, we raised uh, $970 that will be divided between Garner Brooks and Leanna Morris for summer mission uh, trips and projects. Uh, both of those are students in North Greenville. And uh, the second thing we're uh, celebrating is the Advent offering. Uh, Over the past several weeks, we've collected an offering to help assist Advent United Methodist Church, who uh, had a fire in their sanctuary. And uh, so as we've collected money, we've collected $1,310. And that's already been given to Advent. And our finance committee will determine an amount to be given by the Straight Burnside Fund. Uh, so those two things, we, we really thank you for your extravagant generosity. Uh, our, our, what we're in anticipating this month is our annual Epworth Children's Home uh, Mother's Day offering. Um, Epworth Children's Home has served the children of our state since 1896. Uh, Children ages 4 to 18 that are in the middle of broken family systems are brought to Epworth's campus uh, for education, counseling, medical care, and spiritual enrichment. The primary aim is to break the destructive cycle of abuse, neglect, and shame and replace with self-respect, responsibility, and productivity. United Methodist Churches around our state have supported epworth with annual donations on mother's day for years and uh, epworth really counts on our generosity to provide uh, to provide these uh, donations uh, for their critical task for these fragile families Uh, you'll begin to see flyers and bulletins announcements and emails and in worship and they will encourage you to participate in this very special offering Extravagant generosity is one of our five practices, and we really encourage you to prepare for Mother's Day and to participate with us. Thank you. Thank you, Reese.
1: It's now time for our offering, and if you would like to give online, you'll see instructions on how to do so in your bulletin.
0: sing this last one with us.
3: This is
1: Perceived permanence, Sabbath, fear, and excitement. I'm guessing the thing y'all need is Sabbath. I'm guessing that's where you are. It's where I am. So I encourage you to find time wherever you can so that you may be given something that might give you great fear that will move you beyond the situation that you figure you're in to put you in a place of doing exciting ministry for our Lord. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.